So here we are, your people gathered. And we come into this room this morning, God, with just all kinds of stuff and all kinds of things that, that weigh upon our hearts. And we come in with, with, even, with even joy. But we're all just in, in this different place. I think, of, I think of Kathy this morning as she, her family grieves the loss of, of a stepfather. Lord, I just pray that you would be with them during this time. And Lord, we all, we all are there with, with stuff. And so this morning, I pray that your spirit would speak directly into the hearts of your people, right where each one of us is. Whatever, whatever we're experiencing, God, that, that your word would minister to us. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. All right, so last week, week one, Advent, time of preparation, we kind of wrestled with this idea of, of having hope because we all know, we can all see that, that things are just kind of not right in the world. Things are, just, things are just a little bit broken from societies to families. Things are just kind of eh sometimes. And we're encouraged through, this, through the scriptures that we're to, we're to have that thing called hope. And we're to hold on to it. It's that, it's that thing that, that breathes breath into our life. It's that thing that keeps us going every day sometimes. It's that, it's that thing that, that it's like all we have is hope. Last week I, I was speaking with Chris DiPaolo after church, and Chris does the Charlotte's Web, and he said, you know, out of all the families that I speak to, um, families that, that have children who are, who are very, very sick, that need major organ transplants, kids that, kids that are going through chemo and all kinds of treatment because of cancer, he said the only thing that these families always talk about. All they have is hope. And they hold on to that. And it keeps them going. But you know, last week we said, you know, you just can't, you just can't put it in, in things and stuff. You just can't put it in our jobs, in money. You just can't put it in, in our families or even, even your spouse. You can't put hope in governments. You can't put hope in politicians because those things are things of this world. And they will ultimately disappoint us. They will ultimately let us down. And we will be battling anxiety and depression. And, and even, even you get to the point, if you've been let down enough, you just become indifferent. You just don't care anymore. And so we have to find something else. Something else to hope in. And that's in, in God. And that's in, that's in His plan. In His purpose. You see, God's plan is to make everything right. God's plan is to put all of this back together again and make it right. Now, we in Christian world, we like to use big words like reconciliation and restoration, but you know, it, it's as simple as this. God is going to heal everything. God will heal everything. But, but right now, the world it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a tough place right now. Every morning when I sit down at my computer, uh, my homepage is time.com. So I go on to time.com and I just read the, the major stories of the day. And you know, most of the times, it's, it's not that good. 
Most of the times, there's not a lot of positive going on. Yes, sometimes the journalist will throw us a little bone, maybe a a nice human interest story that somebody is doing something amazing against all odds and they're making a difference. But doesn't it seem like those stories are far and few between? And it always seems like there's something bad happening in the world. I mean, just, just look at the North Korea thing. Or I just read an article about a woman in Pakistan who offered, she was a Christian, and she offered some Muslim women water because they were working in the fields, and the Muslim women would not take the water because the Christian woman was unclean, and they could not accept anything from somebody unclean, and the woman stood up for herself, and now she's facing the death penalty because she took a stand for Christ. And you think, man, like like things things are a little bit messed up. Things things are a little broken. One of of my uh, friends that I have on Facebook Her status this week at one point read this. Dear humankind, I've lost faith in you. Sincerely, a girl tired of all the ridiculous insanity and ignorance. This is is a high school student. It's kind of seeing things for, for what they really are. And so here we are, December 5th, 2010. United States of America. And we are all, everyone in here is walking through this world. Everyone in here is walking through life. And for me personally, I have hope. I do. I, I, I have hope in God. I have hope in his justice. I have, I, I have it in his righteousness. And, you know, probably not in my lifetime, but one day heaven is going to crash into earth, as it says in the book of Revelations. And man, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. You know, but I admit to you, some days, some days it burns brighter than others. Some days it's tested. Some days I just kind of ebb and flow through it. But, but for me, this time of year, man, I am, I am trying even, even more so than, than in other years to focus on God, to focus on his Purpose. And you know what I find when you do that? Everything seems to pull at you to get your focus off him. Every little thing, just, just, it's like it's multiplied. As you focus in on God, there is something there that's just trying to grab your focus away and say, no, look over here. No, look over here. No, wait, over there. No, wait, over there. And sometimes it's just like, oh, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. There are forces, spiritual forces that do not want you to see God for who he is. And so this time of year, we, we hope in who God is and what God's doing. And so as we continue this season of, of Advent, the season of preparation, this, this time when Jesus' followers just carve out a block of time for the purpose of the divine. Last week, I gave you an, an experiment that you would, you would give hope to someone. Just give it away. Pay it forward. And so as we move forward this week, we celebrate the reality of peace. It's week two of Advent. And our definition of peace, I wonder sometimes if that's the thing that we need to be celebrating during Advent. If that's the thing that we're to focus on. Because we think of peace, we think of the peace of God. The peace 
of God, that, that thing that he desires for us, that thing that goes beyond our understanding, the thing that, that's able to quiet our hearts and just, and just make us exhale a little bit and give us the sense that everything is going to be okay when it looks like everything is not okay. It's, it's the peace of God, and we pray for it. We pray for it for others. Wednesday night when we had our time of community prayer, we prayed for some people that are going through some really difficult times. One young girl we prayed for just had cystic fibrosis and she had a lung transplant. She received these new lungs. And so just stories like that, and we're praying for these people and over and over and over again, this theme of God's peace be on them. God's peace be with them. It's, it's something that, that we just, through, through challenging times, we long to have that sense deep down in your spirit going to be okay. And if you look around the world, right down to each of us as individuals, can't we all just use a little of it once in a while? Just, just, just that little, okay, you do this. I mean, we all need to be there. But you know what's interesting to me that this time of year, the holiday season, Christmas season, there are more people that are not at peace than there are at peace. That stress and depression and anxiety and worry, they seem to peak during this time of year. And people lose the focus. And let's all be honest, we have all been there at times in our life. Maybe, even maybe some of you this morning are there right now. Because we, we all ebb and flow through it. And so this time of spiritual preparation this time of focusing on God, this time of focusing on Jesus for many people, even the Christian, could be a time of peacelessness. But if you read the lectionary, the the readings that, that go along with this Sunday, I don't believe they're talking about the peace of God. They're talking about something much deeper, much more amazing much more solid as a foundation. The Advent peace that we celebrate isn't the peace of God. It is peace with God. And that's, that's the beginning of all good things. That's the beginning of everything that is good and right and just and loving. Let's go to... Uh, Matthew, again, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. My little zucchini's broken, so Wes is going to have to. Matthew 3. We're going to read this again. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So here we have this story of John the Baptist. And from now on, I'll refer to him as JB because he and I are like this, so he doesn't mind. And so, and so Matthew begins this. He says that in those days, see, it gives us this, this feeling of the impression of something is being fulfilled. Something was spoken about in days of old, and now we're seeing it come to its fulfillment here. 
that this crazy God guy is out there dressed all kinds of funky, eating bugs, and he's telling the people, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He's giving them a very specific, very short message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Telling them, change your minds. Change the way you're thinking. For us, maybe a modern-day word we would use is conversion. It has kind of the same meaning. He is calling the people to look at a new reality, to engage things in a different way. Change the way you think about God. The way that you were taught from days of old, it's going to be different now. See, maybe we can say it this way. Change your thinking Because God's promised rule is beginning. He is now taking control. The message says it this way. Change your life. God's kingdom is here. And this is John's message to the people. And the kingdom of heaven, it's not like it's it's coming. What he's telling them, God's rule is here. It is a reality, present reality right now. And what you've expected all of these years throughout all of history is now being completed before your very eyes. And that thing that would finish off the nearness, yeah, he has come too. And he will walk among his people. God's sovereignty is now being revealed. In fact, it has arrived for all to see. And during John's day, some, some will accept it. Others Others won't. But now, he's telling them, now is the time to respond. Now is the time to do something about it. You just can't sit back and let this thing just go by you. Do something. Repent. Heaven is near. And, you know, we we focus on um, JB being, ushering in the Messiah. Even as we read the, the Isaiah verse. Wes, can you go to the next slide? We read this first where Matthew writes out of Isaiah. This is who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. We read that verse, which is in the Old Testament. We read that verse through a New Testament Christian lens. And we ascribe it right to Jesus. But it was written about God the Father. It was written about God's rule finally coming to the earth. Yes, Jesus is God. But this is a big picture idea that Matthew is radically grabbing onto and presenting in the light of who Christ is. Repent. The kingdom of God is here. And now our God will walk among his creation to be one of them, to come alongside them. And he is telling these people, man, you got to confess your sin. You, you got you to respond to this. Because you see, there is, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with the way humanity has been doing it. Up until this point, humanity's relationship was, with God has been, has been skewed. We haven't been getting it right. And because of that change, change had to take place. Things had to change. And through repentance, you would give up the old way of doing things and walk in a very new way, a new way to engage God, a new way to live as his people. 
repents, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, humanity was getting it all wrong, man. We, we, we lost our way from, from God giving us the original path to follow. And it was all, he knew that Jesus was going to come and he knew that once and for all, but, but, but by the time that Jesus came on board, man, things just got way off track. And it, it was all about this external, just doing things for the sake of doing things. And people lost the heart of who God was. And God's like, no, I want you to, I want you to be in an intimate relationship with me, not some superficial thing that just looks good on the outside. And so humanity had lost its way. Look what it says in Colossians. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Man, that's, that's us. Because we are not the Jewish people. That's, that's us, the Gentile. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God because of Adam's sin. And that's, that's the natural state of humanity. We are born as enemies of God because of the sin that took place at creation. Because Adam decided to do things on his own. Our mindset, the way we think, the way we operate in the natural is hostility toward our creator. And you know, the way it's worded here isn't, isn't really the best interpretation of the text. It should reflect that because we are enemies of God with the way we're thinking in our minds, that produces in us behavior that is evil in his sight. Ephesians 4 talks about the same thing, that this animosity that, that we, um, we, are, we have a darkened understanding of who God is. And because of that, it separates us from the life that he would have for us. And so now we are encouraged I would say that we are strongly encouraged to change the way we think. Change our mind. Repent. Turn from an old pattern of understanding into something new. The divine plan is here. This is what we celebrate during Advent. Jesus is coming. He has come as a baby, and now we hope and we wait for his coming as king. See, the peace of Advent isn't the peace of God. Jesus' coming ushers in for the believer peace with God. And that's something that does not change. It doesn't ebb. It doesn't flow. It's, it's once and for all. Do you realize that because of Jesus and your faith in him, you are at peace with God once and for all. That doesn't change. You can't lose that. And we talked about that months and months ago, and I hope you remember, you don't lose peace with God. The coming of Jesus is a time when humanity has a chance to be, to be reconciled back to the creator, that every person who would put their trust in Christ, every person that would put their faith in Christ, in Christ, every person that would heed the words of John the Baptist and change the way they think, every person that would allow the light of Christ to shine into their hearts, to shine into their minds, to illuminate the darkness so they can see the Spirit of God for what it is. Every person who follows Jesus is now peace with God, no longer his enemy, no longer in darkness. And that's, that's the gospel. 
That's, that's, that's good news. That should be good news. That you, a mere sinful, broken human being, is at peace with the creator of all things. Look what Paul says in Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All people throughout all ages who put their faith in Christ have been declared innocent. The charges that were hanging over us, and I might add, they are just charges. Those charges have been wiped clean. The follower of Christ has been justified. Once and for all, you have been acquitted. And Paul will show us the first implication of that acquittal. It is peace with God. Peace with God. And not just, not just in the negative, like the absence of hostility or the absence of humility. This is, this is about receiving forgiveness. This is about receiving well-being. This is about receiving reconciliation with God. I mean, I mean, are you, are you tracking with me here? And in the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. It's wholeness and completeness and just everything has been made better in the relationship you have with your creator. It's not this inner sense of quiet, this thing that, that can come and it can go. Because you know what? Again, man, let's face it. You know, we know that we are to be anxious for nothing and in all things present our, our, our worries and cast them at the foot of the cross. I mean, we can go on and on about those verses over and over again. But you know what? Here's what I have found in my life. Life happens. And I am not always there in this, this peaceful, easy feeling, you know? And, and, and I lose that. And we all wrestle with anxiety and stress and worry and depression. And if anybody says different to you, if anybody would say, I don't wrestle with that, they're lying. Because it's part of who we are as broken human beings. We all, and, so, and so peace, it just kind of, it comes and goes. And this is, this is not what the peace with God is talking about. It's talking about our outward relationship with God. That we are now in a right relationship with God. Let me, let me put it so husbands can understand this, okay? Because sometimes we're a little slow. Husbands, what this means, because of Jesus Christ, we no longer have to sleep on the couch. Oh, oh, okay, I mean, you're tracking with me? The honey-do list is complete, all right? We are at peace with God. And so as that peaceful, easy feeling comes and goes, man, this is a stake in the ground. And it does not move. And it does not bend. It will always stand firm because it is not based upon anything that we can do. It's not based upon our righteousness because we have none. It is based upon the righteousness of God himself. Psalm 32. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. It is the righteousness of God that brings peace or shalom because we have none. We have, we, we have no righteousness that we can offer to get it right, to make things right, to, to get our relationship on the right track. 
And because of the coming of Jesus, it tells us in 2 Corinthians that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we now can become the righteousness of God. We now can become the righteousness of God. And because of that, we can live in in quietness and we can live in confidence forever because we have become the righteousness of God. We have peace with him. And when we have peace with God, you will find the peace of God. And see, that's, that's what I see as, as, as a, just a, a problem in the church today. We, I mean, I mean, Christian, follower of Jesus, we lack the peace of God. We, 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 we just, we don't have it. And, and you, can, you can just watch it in people's faces as they just move through life. I watch it sometimes when, when people come in here. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm just like, really? I mean, you're the pastor. You got to talk about this stuff and you're there? I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I know it. And I believe the major cause of that is because we do not engage the reality, the reality that because of Jesus Christ's coming, we are at peace with God. He is not mad at you. He is not angry or disappointed with you. God can't even be a little angry with you. He can't even be a little disappointed with you. Because you know why? Because in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus would say this. You know what? If you call somebody a fool, you're in dangers of the fire of hell. I'm thinking with God, it's all or it's nothing. Either he is all bent and angry and, and wrathful towards you, or it's nothing. And because of Jesus coming, it's nothing. When God looks at the follower of Christ, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus in all that righteousness. And man, and, and, and he looks down, and he says, man, that's, that's my son. That's, that's my girl. And with, with you, with you, with you, I am well pleased. Those are the words of God spoken to his children. And man, if we can just get a hold of that reality and walk that we once and for all are at peace with our creator, it changes everything. You can walk with your head held high. You don't have to walk in shame and guilt anymore. When you begin to let that soak in to your heart and to your mind, you will begin to live differently without even trying. Because if you can get that and recognize the spirit of the Lord is in each and every follower of Jesus, you allow that spirit to begin to change you from the inside out. It's called sanctification. And it's one step at a time. And I know sometimes it's a lot slower than we want it to happen, but God is changing you one step at a time because you begin to recognize you are at peace with your creator. You are at peace with your father. And so as we celebrate communion this morning, we, we also celebrate this, this time in Advent where we recognize who we are and that we can stand firm in who we are, not because of us, but because God sent his only son into the world, that he would walk among his people. 
and love them and teach them and show them and then ultimately die for them. You see, Christmas is not just about the birth of our Savior. Christmas is about his birth and his life and his death and then his life again, that we can know life, that we can have life. And so the story of Advent is the story of hope. But for us to celebrate this week, the story of Advent is also about the story of shalom. That you, follower of Jesus, are at peace with God. So as we come forward this morning to take of the table, I mean, I mean, isn't this what the table is about? Isn't this what communion is about? that Jesus came and gave his, his body and gave his blood, that, that we would be forgiven and walk in union with our creator. And so I want you to just begin to let that truth sink in this morning. Let it sink in. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. Even if you are messing up right now and you're making poor choices, well, let me just say, stop it. But God is not angry with you. He's not a human being who is inconsistent in his emotional responses. It's all or nothing. And because of Christ, nothing. Will you walk in that? Will you walk in that? So as you're ready, you can come forward and take the bread and the cup. And as we do, we will take communion together.